Welcome to the West Point Church Podcast. Here you can find past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates as soon as those sermons are posted. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a good week. Well, I'm excited to continue this message series in the book of Acts. And just to catch us up, two weeks ago we talked about how Jesus left earth and commissioned the disciples to be witnesses and to go throughout the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. But they were told to wait for the Holy Spirit. They had to address some organizational issues in the process. They had to replace Judas. And so last week we talked about how they chose a man named Matthias to replace him in that leadership role. Now they were getting ready to go. And there's a lot to get to this morning. So let's just jump right into Acts chapter 2. And we're going to pick it up right in verse 1. Here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, there was, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and to the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking, saying, They are filled with new wine. Wow, what an incredible story that was. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on this part of the passage. In fact, I did an entire series last fall called Asking for a Friend, just talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you're curious about that and and what that's all about, you can look that up on our archives and listen to that series. Uh, But this was the fulfillment of what they'd been waiting for. The Holy Spirit comes and fills the church in this moment. Now, there are a few things that I want to point out uh, about this passage. First of all, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, Uh, We celebrate Pentecost Sunday in a couple of weeks. May 31st is Pentecost Sunday. We're two weeks out from that special day. And it says that they were all together in one place. Now, who's a little jealous right now, right? Because I can't wait when we can all be together in one place again. That being said, this is really cool. There was a sound like a mighty rushing wind inside the house. The wind blowing in the house, and tongues of fire rested on them, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, remember this, at this point, the church is 
only 120 people. They're gathered in a house, which is probably packed with people. There was no social distancing going on at all at that time. And tongues of fire rest on their head, and they begin to speak in tongues. Now, as this is going on, imagine that the party is just leaking out into the streets around them. The party's spilling out of the house, and all the neighbors are wondering what is going on. And they start to gather. They want to know what's going on. And in verse 9, uh, let's continue. Or it's, it says that uh, the people uh, were speaking and that they heard them in their own language. It was a miraculous sign to them. So their immediate reaction is, these people are drunk, right? Let's continue in verse 14. Here's what it says. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. So Peter walks outside, sees what's going on, sees that they've drawn the attention of the entire neighborhood. There's a lot of people from all over the world watching what's going on here. And what does he do? He starts preaching in the streets of Jerusalem. The first thing he says is, hey guys, these people aren't drunk. It's 9 a.m., all right? Uh, let's keep reading what he shares in verse 16. He says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on your sons and your daughters they shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And the sun shall turn to darkness, and the moon to blood. And before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that just an incredible passage of Scripture? Peter's quoting the prophet Joel here. He's reading this historic passage of Scripture that many of them would have recognized, and he's saying it's being fulfilled right here. Let's keep reading in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with the mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you did yourselves know. This Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Here's what's incredible. The greatest evangelistic message that was ever preached was not a cute, inspiring, motivational message. It was a call to repentance. Peter said, this is what has been prophesied. Jesus came and fulfilled it all. He fulfilled that prophecy, 
and you killed him. And God raised him. And can I tell you something? That might not be so encouraging this morning. You killed Jesus. I highly doubt that the Roman soldiers who nailed Jesus to the cross were in attendance that day. But Peter is making it plain as day. Your sins are what nailed Christ to the cross. The Apostle John uses this specific word in the book of first john chapter 2 he says that jesus was the propitiation for our sin in other words he was the atoning sacrifice for the wrath of god he was the payment for your sin that means that beyond a shadow of a doubt what peter said to that crowd that day is true for us today as well that his death is on our hands it was our sin that he died for. We're responsible. All of us have sinned and to varying degrees, but no matter what you've done personally, it pales in comparison to the sin of nailing Jesus Christ to a cross. That's why there's no level of sinners. You're either a sinner guilty of the murder of Jesus Christ or you're forgiven. There's no in-between. And when we get to the point where we continue to recognize that fact, then we place ourselves uh, in mortal danger. When we get to the point where we start to see that, uh, that middle ground somewhere. Now, you're thinking, uh, this is a little bit harsh, right? I mean, you already told me that I personally killed Jesus, but can I tell you something this morning? I'm just getting warmed up, all right? Buckle up. Because when someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time, they typically have a very soft heart towards repentance. When someone chooses to follow Jesus, they, they usually have something going on inside of them that, that makes their heart soft towards the things of God. Now most weeks, at the end of the message, I give an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And what I've discovered is that when someone makes that decision, they'll often respond week after week after week, multiple of times, multiple times over and over for the next few weeks as, as they're becoming comfortable with the idea that they're now saved and that they're secure in Christ. But what begins to happen over time, as some of you have heard the gospel presented hundreds, maybe even thousands of the times throughout the course of your life is that we get to be a little bit callous to the message of repentance. Can I tell you something? Repentance is a lifelong calling. It's not a moment in time. Yes, there's a moment where you place your faith in Jesus Christ and where you're saved from sin and from death. But repentance is something that we do throughout the course of our life. Repentance is turning to Christ. It's turning from our sinful past and choosing to follow Him. So when you become calloused to that idea and comfortable in your salvation, then the Holy Spirit loses influence in your life. Let me ask it this way. When is the last time you responded to an altar call? I'm not talking about the one for salvation, the 
When's the last time you acknowledged publicly that you needed God to do something in your life to change you? Can I tell you, if it's been a long time, I'd like to make the suggestion that you haven't arrived as a believer, but rather you need to come to a place where you can humble yourself and admit that God still has to do some work in your life. I was listening to a message this week, and the preacher said something that really grabbed my attention. He said, the most free you will ever be is when you're completely exposed. Now that goes against everything in our nature, but it's true. Because it's only in letting go of our spotless reputation and our fake personality that we find the release of the pressure of pretending to be something that we're not. Peter talks about King David a little bit in this passage, and and really you should read the whole chapter for yourself because it's an incredible message. But for this, for time's sake, we're going to skip down to the end of his message, to his altar call, right? In verse 36, here's what it says. Let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow. The church went from 120 to 3,120, just like that, right? I love that. I love how he said they were cut to the heart. Let me ask you a question this morning. Does the preaching of God's word still cut to your heart? Are you so used to hearing it that you assume it's for everybody else? So those listening, come to Peter and his disciples, absolutely broken by God's word. They say, okay, what now? Peter says, repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 were added to that day, added to the church that day. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. In one moment, God did more than man could ever do. You know, at some point when, when we get back together, We're going to do a baptism service. Can I tell you something? It's going to be a party, right? We are going to celebrate what Christ has done in your life. And if you haven't been baptized yet, stop letting the enemy talk you out of something that Jesus commanded you to do. So what happened next? I'm not going to get on my soapbox too much here. How did the entire church stay focused and prevent that complacency that we've been talking about this morning? Well, here's how it gives us the recipe. Verse 42. Let's keep reading together. And they devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all and any who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Can I tell you something? I've been really wrestling with our response as a church this past week to the inability for us to meet together. Uh, I want so badly to be done with this season. But yet I firmly believe in my heart that it's time to move forward. And, and we as a leadership team are wrestling with making the right decision. But while we do, we're waiting. And, and I want you to understand this. It's in these seasons that you have to fight for your faith that you have to fight for the spiritual health of you personally and your family as well. You can't rely on the organization of the church to do it for you because uh, we, we're not able to at this point. But the steps are laid out for you here. What do you need to do? Devote yourselves to the teaching of God's Word. Be devoted. Now, I would argue that, that because we have access to God's Word in a different way than the early church did, that would include both engagement in your local church and listening to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God and studying it for yourself. Now the second thing is the breaking of bread. It's fellowship. And if you're healthy and not at a high risk, I would encourage you for the next couple of weeks to open up your home as, as we're now allowed to, to meet in groups of 10 or less. And, and that's one way that we can connect with the family of Christ and be together and study God's word together. Um, and, and even though it's in a smaller group, it's at least that connection of fellowship. Share some food together. Enjoy each other's company. And then the last one is prayer. Friends, we need to pray. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for the lost. And, and all the other things that they talked about in this passage, the signs, the wonders, the abundant generosity, the praise and the worship, and the church growth, those things are a natural outflow of the decisions to be committed to the teaching of the Word of God, to being committed to fellowship, and to being committed to prayer. If we focus on the basics, everything else falls into place. It's hard to stay committed to going to church on the internet. Frankly, it's hard for me to watch myself sometimes, right? It, I know this is a challenge. It's hard to think about opening up your home, right? That, that's a little bit scary of a thing right now. And, and there are so many different um, things going on in our world that, that could scare us or distract us or divert us from what God has for us. But we need to stay steadfast 
in our faith. For some of you, that, that might mean staying at home right now. For some of you, that might mean taking a step of faith and doing something bold. But whatever it is, we need to be vigilant in listening to the Holy Spirit. That's what the church did. Jesus told them to wait until the Holy Spirit came and then to go out and be witnesses. We have the Holy Spirit just like they did. We need to be listening to His voice. I want to um, just give two quick invitations as, as we close this message this morning and head into a time of worship. First of all, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to ask Him into your heart and make Him the Lord of your life. This could be the greatest decision of your life. And if you would like to do that, I'm going to lead in a prayer in just a minute. And we'd encourage you to go to westpoint.org slash yes and let us know that you made that decision because we want to help you on this journey of your life as you're pursuing Christ and beginning a relationship with Him. And if we can help you in that process in any way, we want to do that. The second, and this is for the, the people who have who've been doing the church thing for a while. You've heard the gospel message and you've been challenged in the past. You've heard it so many times that it really doesn't even affect you anymore. You know, can I tell you something? The, the more that I'm up here preaching, the less I'm sitting and listening to that. And every time I hear a message that speaks to my heart, the, the power of conviction is even greater. In fact, I can tell you that's true for, for pastors uh, all over our state, when we gather together at, at, at different conferences and things like that, um, the altars are always full because we pastors need to repent just like everyone else does. And so if you haven't gone to that place in a while, you, where the Lord is dealing with you with, with something, maybe it's your attitude, maybe it's your heart, maybe it's an, an, a sinful action, maybe it's just... Um, you know, some an apathetic attitude or, or something like that. But whatever it is, as the Lord deals with you, let Him do that work. Go to the altar this morning, even though we can't physically gather at an altar. You can go to Christ in your heart. Say, Lord, as, as David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God. Reveal to me the areas that aren't right and deal with them so that I can be righteous in your sight. Let's close in prayer this morning. I want to lead you, uh, those of you who are making a decision for Christ for the first time first here. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're good. Lord, we admit that, that we're sinful people and that we need your grace. So Lord, today we place our faith in you. We place our trust in you. We repent of our sin. We choose to follow you. Lord, come in and make me a new creation today. I want to be right with you. I want to choose to follow you for all the days of my life. And Lord, for those who are here today and have heard this message so many times and have lived a life that's, that's honoring to you, but there's, there's something in their life that isn't quite right. Lord, I pray that today would be a moment where you deal with their heart, Lord, where you show them the areas where, where they still need that refinement and that growth. And Lord, uh, 
bring those areas to light so that they can better follow you so that, that those things that would potentially cause shame or embarrassment can be exposed and dealt with and, and removed so they can walk in the freedom that you've intended for them. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.